Want a bigger brain? Try napping. A new study published in the journal Sleep Health found that daytime napping is associated with larger total brain volume. The researchers suggest that habitual napping makes about a 2.6 to 6.5 year difference in aging in terms of total brain volume. Napping didn't, however, boost reaction time, visual memory, or the volume of the hippocampus, the area of the brain involved in learning and memory. This is Pulse Check. I'm Megan Messerly. The U.S. Preventive Services Task Force has recommended for the first time that American adults ages 19 to 64 be screened for anxiety. The panel continues to recommend that all adults be screened for depression. The task force cited evidence from a new report that found screening programs in primary care settings can result in improved health outcomes. The recommendations come as rates of depression and emotional stress among adults spiked during the pandemic. Suicide rates are also on the rise, with a 31% increase between 2001 and 2017, according to the report. The Senate Banking Committee will consider today bipartisan legislation by its chair, Sherrod Brown of Ohio, and Republican Tim Scott of South Carolina to sanction fentanyl traffickers and money launderers who help them. The synthetic opioid is to blame for most fatal drug overdoses in the United States. The Fend Off Fentanyl Act would also empower the president to use the seized assets of drug traffickers to fund law enforcement. In an attempt to overturn abortion bans, abortion rights proponents are using an unconventional argument, religious freedom. Alice Miranda Olstein explains. Glad to talk. Religion has obviously long played a huge role in the abortion debate, often usually in favor of banning abortion. But your new article out today shows how it's factoring in in an unexpected way and could actually be used to overturn state abortion bans. Tell me a little bit about what's going on. Yeah, so there are a bunch of cases around the country, about a dozen by my count, making their way through the courts right now that are filed by people who say that these state abortion restrictions are violating their religious rights. So this is a pretty broad group of people. We have different Christian denominations, Muslims, Jews, Unitarians, Satanists. We can get to that later. So these cases are sort of divided into two camps. Most of them are saying that if states are providing some secular kinds of exemptions from their state abortion bans, like for rape and incest, for instance, or for certain health reasons, that they also have to provide religious exemptions as well for people whose religions support abortion access. But some of the cases are trying to have the bans struck down altogether. They're saying that the states violated the separation of church and state when passing these laws. They point to state lawmakers who made explicit religious appeals when debating and and drafting these laws and saying you can't impose one religion's view of when life begins and when abortion should be allowed on everyone else. That's fascinating. Okay, so you mentioned the Satanic Temple is involved here. What are they arguing and what are the other arguments these religious groups are making here? Yeah, so the Satanic Temple is involved in many legal fights, and this is one of them. They have in the past used lawsuits to sort of point out state hypocrisy around how they treat different religions. So in some instances, that's meant if 
the state is officially displaying like a statue or some sort of public thing related to the Ten Commandments, then they've also forced them to display a satanic statue. So they are entering this abortion debate saying that the right to control your own body and not have any interference is a core tenant of their religion. And thus the state abortion restrictions are preventing them from the free exercise of their religion. So let's talk a little bit about the goal of these lawsuits. Like, is the goal to strike down these state abortion bans or is it to just like create some sort of religious exemption to them? Some do just one of those, some do just the other one, and some are attempting both. And a lot of the legal experts I spoke to said that they think the ones that are trying to strike down the law altogether don't have as good a chance, but they think that the ones that are trying to force the state to offer religious exemptions from the bans have a decent chance. And it's kind of interesting why. During the pandemic, we saw a lot of lawsuits around this idea of religious exemptions, and courts, including the Supreme Court, said, look, if the state has secular exemptions to whatever law it is, whether it's restrictions on how many people can be indoors together or masking or vaccines, then they also have to offer religious exemptions. And so folks are now trying to apply that same logic to abortion. But, you know, it really depends. The Indiana lawsuit filed by Jewish plaintiffs has succeeded in convincing courts to put a freeze on the abortion ban. And so this is definitely just one of many strategies on the left to go after these bans and restore access. But it's one that folks think has a decent shot. You mentioned Indiana, and I wanted to ask you specifically about that because I'm just fascinated by the lawsuit because it's aiming to use the state's Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was signed into law by then-Governor Mike Pence in 2016. And I think when that law was passed, I don't think anyone was anticipating that it would be used in this way. Can you tell me a little bit more about that law and how it's being used to challenge the state's new abortion ban? The Indiana lawsuit and some of the others in other states are leaning on more recently passed state laws that were trying to sort of beef up religious protections. And a lot of those laws, like in Indiana, go pretty far beyond federal protections for religious practice. And so it's sort of flipping it on its head and saying Pence and other state officials who enacted these religious protections, most of them are anti-abortion, but the challengers are trying to use those very protections to broaden abortion access. So it's pretty interesting. So how confident are folks on the abortion rights side about whether the court is going to accept this argument that abortion bans violate their religious beliefs? Folks think there's a decent chance in some states. It really depends on the makeup of state courts. They don't think this strategy will work at the federal level. One, the federal protections for religion are not as strong as in many states, but also several legal experts I talked to pointed towards the Supreme Court's record, especially over the last few years when it comes to these religious cases and saying the justices have shown themselves willing to uphold the religious rights of some people's religions and not others, particularly pointing to some back-to-back rulings a few years ago, upholding President Trump's travel ban on people from majority Muslim countries, but also that same year saying that a baker had the religious right to refuse to bake a cake for a same-sex marriage. So there's a real mixed bag at the federal level, but at the state level, we've already seen some preliminary wins on these cases in Indiana and in Wyoming. And folks are expecting some more rulings over the next few months that could really change access at the state level. 
And so what are conservative groups like Alliance Defending Freedom saying about this strategy? Conservative groups are largely saying that these lawsuits are not going anywhere. They feel confident that courts will toss them out or uphold state abortion bans. So it's interesting. Courts are generally hesitant to sort of dive into questioning whether someone's religious beliefs are sincere or not. This comes up a lot in like prison cases where prisoners are suing for the right to wear a certain thing or eat a certain thing in prison because of their religion. But it's coming up in this case. And judges are usually wary of (laughs) saying, I believe this person is sincere about their religion, but not this other person. But a lot of these conservative groups are just going for it and are just saying, hey, these progressive religious people challenging abortion bans, it's not a sincere religious belief. It's a political stunt. They're activists, which is, of course, pretty offensive to those people. They have taken offense at that. And they point to things in religious scripture itself and commentary from religious leaders talking about the importance of abortion access. And so it'll be really fascinating, both on a legal level and on a sort of theological level, how this plays out. Definitely. And so I know you said, you know, we're expecting some movement on these cases in the next few months. Like what's next? When are we expecting state courts to begin ruling on all of this? I mean, it's all over the place and we know how long cases can take to play out years in some instances, but we are expecting several rulings this summer and into the fall. So I would watch for those to sort of see where things may be going. Well, I'm sure you will be keeping a close eye on all of that, but thanks so much for taking the time to talk today, Alice. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Megan Messerly. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.